Hi, this is Pastor Dave, and we are in the sixth week of Lent as we journey with Jesus through the wilderness to the cross with his face towards Jerusalem, and we stand in solidarity with Jesus. Um, and for many of us, if you participate in Lent, sometimes uh, you fast from something, maybe it's coffee, maybe it's hamburgers or carbohydrates or Netflix streaming. Um, but this Lent is unprecedented in history, actually. And a lot of us are, have imposed, without choice, fasts. And uh, one person uh, online said, this is the lentiest Lent I've ever Lented. The streets are empty. We're fasting from hugs. We're fasting from kisses. We're fasting from socializing with our friends, our neighbors, uh, our loved ones. Uh, we're fasting from work. We're fasting from going out whenever we want to, as we please. Um, there's a lot of stuff that is being imposed on us because of social distancing and stay-at-home uh, request. Uh, the streets are empty. There's no traffic, which kind of is a good thing if you're driving out there. Churches are empty. No longer can we say that 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning is the most segregated time in the U.S. Actually, 11 a.m. on Sunday morning is the most stress that Facebook Live has ever experienced in its history because everybody is streaming on Sunday morning. And for you church leaders and pastors and staff out there, I know you're stressed and I want to give you some encouragement. You've had to learn Zoom and had to negotiate live streaming overnight. You've had to throw out plans and gatherings and events and had had to adapt and reshape all of your ministries. And now we come to Holy Week this coming week. Whatever plans you had, out the door. This is unprecedented. We're not going to meet face to face during Easter. We can't receive communion as one present body. This is the most disrupted Holy Week in history. What are we going to do? Breathe. <sighs> Relax. Jesus is the Lord of Holy Week, not us. Jesus is Lord at the Passover, not us. Jesus was the king who entered Jerusalem on a donkey, not us. Jesus is prince. He was the prince that was tortured, not us. Jesus was Lord at his death and not us. Jesus is the one who was victorious, the victorious king at his resurrection. He's Lord of Resurrection Sunday. He's Lord of Easter. He's Lord of the empty tomb and Christ will be the king who comes again. Holy Week is not in our hands. Holy Week is not up to us. Holy Week is not a show that we put on. Holy Week isn't, isn't even about our traditions that we've had for years and years and years. Our traditions aren't the bottom line. The bottom line truth is that Jesus is Lord and Prince and King and victorious He's the victorious Prince of Peace of Holy Week. He's the center. He's the star. He's the one that we all focus on. 
And here we are living in the quarantined life under a state-imposed Lenten fast to end all Lenten fasts. We're all having to fast from our favorite restaurants. Maybe you're not fasting from streaming. But this is the Lenten fast to end all Lenten fasts. And we are all waiting. All of us are waiting. Whether you know what you're waiting for or not. Whether you know who ultimately you're waiting for or not. We are all waiting for something. For this virus to go away. For the all clear signal to go out. For a miracle. For some leader or leaders to emerge in our country, in our world. To emerge to to speak calm and peace into us, to assuage us, to give us the facts, the true facts, and a real plan, a solution that'll give us, make us feel settled, that'll make us feel comfortable. We are waiting for stability. We're waiting for some bend in the corner, bend in the river. We're waiting for light on the path to show us What's going to happen next? When can I go out? When can I go back to work? When can I go back to school? When can we gather again as the church and hug one another and greet one another? When? Wait on the Lord. Be still and know that he is God. Wait on Jesus. Easter is coming. Uh, back when my five-year-old daughter, Cammy was maybe two or three, she comes running to me and sticks her foot in my face and says, owie, ouchie, ouchie. And I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? So I examine her foot. I take a look at it, rub it, see if there's any cuts or bruises or anything like that. There's nothing visible. And I say, oh, you're fine. Nothing's wrong. Go, go and play. So she runs off. Two minutes later, she comes back and she sticks her foot in my face again. Owie, owie, owie. Well, what's going on? And so I look, examine more closely and I see that there's a red little spot. And in the middle of that red spot is like a smaller, dark little spot. And I realize, oh, she has a sliver. And we've all had slivers, and slivers are small, they're thin, they're hard to get out sometimes, and they can be really, really obnoxious, especially if you can't get it out easily, and they're on your toe or your foot, and you're trying to walk or run, and it just, every time you put your foot down, it hurts, it stings, right? And this, this little sliver was annoying my little cami, and so... You know, I take my fingernail and I try to scratch at it, try to pick at it. I know, very good hygiene, right? Pick at it, then I go, oh, okay, well, I'll get some alcohol, rub some, rub some alcohol, and then go to the bathroom, grab some tweezers, and try to dig at it, dig a hole. And like, you know, if I had continued, I probably would have like dug a big hole and like finally to pick it out. And I said, so I just kind of scratched at it and uh, sent her off. And two minutes later, she's like, owie, owie, it still hurts. 
And that's the way of slivers, right? Sometimes they're small. You can't really find them. You can't really locate them. You can't really get rid of them. But the, they're obnoxious and they're annoying. And this annoyance grows and grows and grows. And that's like a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a sliver. Something so small. You can't barely see it. But it's obnoxious. And it hurts. And this annoyance grows and grows and grows because what the sliver is doing is disrupting your life. It's turning things upside down, giving you discomfort. And the kingdom of heaven is like that. And actually, Jesus told it better. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds. But it grow, ultimately, it grows and grows to one of the largest of shrubs and begins to be a shelter for birds of the air and bear fruit. But the reason why I use the sliver analogy is because I don't want it to, I, I want it to uh, point out to a nuisance, right? The kingdom of heaven is like a sliver. It's a disruption. It starts like a pinprick in our hearts and gets larger and larger until it's a rushing river, right? Turning things, making rocks crumble down, right? Turning us upside down. And this is how Jesus came into a world like a small sliver, a small child in a manger, a mustard seed, a little nuisance. A little annoyance until he grew and grew in his ministry and this annoyance grew in the hearts of the Pharisees and the religious leaders and the temple and the system, the whole religious system embedded into the, into the culture. Jesus became a threat to the entire foundation of religion and culture and even, even the Roman Empire right? He is the king that is turning things upside down. And in our passage, the king is on the path towards Jerusalem and is approaching Jerusalem and is about to enter Jerusalem. And the foundations at the same time, the unseen, the foundations of the world are about to be turned upside down. And there's a stir in the city, and people can feel it. People can tell something special, something big, something amazing is entering the town. But as Jesus enters, he's not entering Jerusalem as a glorious king seeking, you know, the praise and adulations of the crowds. King, king, hail Caesar! Nor as a conquering king on a great horse exacting a violent revolution. I'm coming into this city to take it over. Who's with me on my battle horse? But as we read, he sends two of his disciples ahead of himself to go into the village ahead of you and find a donkey tied there with her colt. And so they do. And this, this little image this little episode that Matthew gives us 
um, is to fulfill what was spoken in the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, see your king, king, comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The first part comes from Isaiah 62, 11, and the rest of um, the, the prophecy comes from Zechariah 9, 9. But these are prophecies of the coming Messiah, the coming King. And Jesus coming on the donkey um, is both King and the King of Peace is a fulfillment of the scriptures. So that's one. Secondly, um, when we look at the parade, just think about it. This is a parade, a procession coming into Israel. And a lot of commentators said that actually at the same time, Pontius Pilate was entering the city um, from another end and people were, and they were doing the Roman procession. And the traditional Roman procession at the time in Greco-Roman culture of the Roman Empire, it did actually involve palm branches. And people would wave palm branches as a symbol of triumph and victory. Um, and it was attributed actually to the goddess Nike, right? the goddess of war. And they would wave their branches. And when they would say a general would come in, um, either victorious from the spoils of war or coming into this town. And people would say, hail Caesar, hail the conqueror, hail the son of God to the triumphator, which was this general coming in. And oftentimes in these processions, they would take, they would be dragging along, uh, tied to ropes, prisoners of war. And these prisoners would be dragged, dragged in the procession as a symbol of, uh, to exact the fear uh, upon anyone who would stand against the Roman Empire. Here is what happens to people who stand against us. And then the general or the triumphator would represent the glorious, like, here is the Son of God, the height of glory. This is the glory of the Roman Empire. So a lot of commentators said Pontius Pilate was coming in at the same time that Jesus was, and then making the contrast of how these two kings came in their glory. Um, whether that's true or not, one thing is for certain, that there is a contrast, right, in how Jesus enters. He does enter in as a king. In the Eastern tradition, um, kings would come in riding on a donkey. A donkey symbolized peace. A horse symbolized war, right? So if a, if, a, if a king is coming in on a horse, he's either ready to conquer that city he's coming in or saying, I'm victorious and is, is coming on a horse. But when a king comes in on a donkey, this is a king coming in peace. And so Jesus coming in on a donkey, on the foal of a donkey with the mother coming, uh, trailing behind, this foal actually represents also an unbridled beast, an unbridled animal that has never been ridden upon. And Jesus, the king, is riding on the donkey and coming in to the city represents that Jesus is the king of peace, that he's coming in in glory and authority and power 
worthy to be honored, worthy to be praised, but coming in peace. And perhaps people weren't expecting that of Jesus. Maybe a large part of this crowd didn't even know who Jesus was. At the end of our passage, we, say, we see that they say, who is this? Some were saying, who is this? Right? It's like a celebrity coming into a mall and everyone's flocking, flocking. And you're like, who is this? What's going on? The city's in a stir. Right? For some, they didn't know who Jesus was. For others, his disciples, his followers, those who had heard in John, actually, the triumphal entry uh, is right after the chapter where Jesus, uh, our last week's chapter where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. The word is going out. The word has gone out that Jesus has been doing amazing things. And now it culminated in John to Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. So this is a man of authority. This is God. This is Messiah. This is a person who can even raise the dead to life. And so for his disciples, they're like, now is the time. We've been talking about it. Now is the time when we throw off our oppressors. Now is the time of when we uh, start the revolution and Jesus is going to be our new king. A new king to usher in a new kingdom, a new way. And we're going to celebrate in this new reign of Jesus Christ, this mighty warrior. But he comes in on a donkey, the king of peace. There's going to be no war. In fact, Jesus will soon be captured, tortured, and he'll die. He'll die. And it wasn't what many expected. A revolution, a military revolution of a great warrior king. But what Jesus was coming into Jerusalem for was to meet his death and to start a revolution of the kingdom, a revolution of love. Amen? And so he comes. And as he's riding the donkey into the city, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And all of this is meant to honor Jesus. In those times when people put cloaks and branches and other things to cover the way of someone, it, it meant that this person um, it was an acclamation of praise, right? It meant that this person was worthy of honor and praise, that this was a very important person. And even us, you know, when I was a kid, when I was like in elementary, middle school, and I liked a girl, I would, you know, because I read a lot of, uh, about chivalry and the chivalrous knights, and, and I was kind of a romantic, poetic guy, so I'd put my coat down onto the mud, you know, right before the girl that I liked so she could walk onto my cloak. But they just look at me and be like, you just got your coat dirty. Like, what are you doing? Chivalry is dead. But here we see that the people are honoring, honoring Jesus as king. And furthermore, they're shouting some really amazing things. They're shouting some things that highlight 
that Jesus is no ordinary man. Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Son of David and he who comes in the name of the world, name of the Lord are all messianic titles or all titles given in the prophets uh, for the Messiah, the one who would save the people. It's also similar to hail Caesar, hail the conqueror, hail son of God. Hail the Son of God. Hail the Son of David. Hail the Messiah. Hosanna in the highest. Right? Jesus is coming in to save us. Save us. Hosanna. Save us. And once again, in verse 10, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And the word stirred there has the same root as earthquake does, or the word that you might recognize, seismic. So when Jesus entered, the whole city was as if it was in an earthquake. Just boom! This is big. Even the earth is shaking because of how loud the city is. And let's remember that this was a week before Passover. And during Passover, a lot of historians say, Jerusalem's population swelled because people are making from the outer regions, making pilgrimages to make sacrifices to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem at the temple. And Jerusalem would swell double, triple, maybe even quadruple its size. And so this, the whole city is a buzz. It's crowded. There's no social distancing happening right now and when jesus comes it's almost like an earthquake the cheers and the cries it's a parade and people are like who is this who is this and many in the crowds answered this is jesus the prophet from nazareth in galilee and i think it's interesting that the passage immediately following this is jesus cleansing the temple. This prophetic protest, this literal overturning of the tables, that Jesus is coming as the king of peace, entering the city, and what he's about is overturning the foundations of the status quo, overturning the uh, to stop the injustice of the temple system, to stop what is keeping people to having free access and worshiping Yahweh, God. He turns that around. He's, he's, he's turning over um, the uh, exploitation of people um, and this, the kind of the stealing of money um, that's attached to worship to sacrifice to the temple traditions and rituals, to free access to the house of prayer for all peoples. So Jesus is coming in as a new king, uh, protest in protest, and the shouts are loud and people are with him. And the town is a buzz, the city's a buzz, it's like an earthquake. 
and he's walking to his death. And these same people, many of these same people, we don't know, a bunch of these same people that are saying, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A lot of these same people will, days later, be the same people that shout, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Right? And as people, all of you know, we are bandwagon fans. Amen? Right? A lot of times we'll jump. That's the mob mentality. That's the mentality of, uh, the mob mentality of popularity. Whatever's trending, whoever's popular, whatever is getting uh, a buzz, right? We jump onto that wagon. We say, rah, rah, rah. Yes, this is the answer. Yes, this will... This will give us a good life. Yes, this will make us laugh. This is the funniest thing out there. Yes, this is entertaining. Or yes, this leader will show us the way to the good life, to the new life. And we jump on that. And then things go awry, right? Shipwrecked. Crash. And we jump to the next thing. And we're even saying the opposite. Crucify him. Crucify that. That which we cheered for before. Because we're fickle. Our hearts are fickle. We're cheap. Right? We'll prostitute our hearts to anything out there that'll give us security, that'll make us feel good about ourselves, or that makes us secure being in a large group. But listen to me. Look at God's church. Look at the church right now almost across the board, unprecedented. The church buildings across our country are empty, are empty. And we're like, what are we to do? What about Easter? What are we to do? But you know what? Social media is swelling right now. Just as the population of Jerusalem was swell, right? That's where the action is. And if you watch the news, if you're streaming news, if you're watching, there's so many, we're inundated with voices, with things coming out our way. This is the way, this is the way, this is the way, this is the truth, this is the truth, this is the answer, this is the answer, this is the solution. This is the way to life. This is how we navigate through this crisis, through this pandemic. Follow, 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 follow. Like, like, like. Right? And we see even our leaders of our states, our state governments, our local governments, our national government, global leaders. When crisis hits, the worst parts of us show up. Right? The worst parts of humanity. I am selfish. I want only me and mine. I am angry. I don't like this person. Or we see um, the worst parts of society, the most vulnerable and hurting in this crisis are suffering even more. And the ones who have, the ones who even we've entrusted to lead, are worried about resources, are fighting about who's responsible for this or that. 
And who should be responsible for providing the, this equipment, these supplies to the people? No, this is, this is all, these are our supplies. You should have been preparing for, to distribute your supplies. These are our supplies. And meanwhile, the most vulnerable of us are suffering. Right? Meanwhile, our healthcare providers are suffering. Meanwhile, people are getting sick and are suffering and dying. And in the midst of all this confusion, there is a king entering our hearts, entering the city. Do you feel it? Do you feel that annoyance? Do you feel that little sliver growing and growing and growing? He's trying to tell you something. Trying to tell you something about your life. Trying to make a change in your heart to transform something. Trying to turn, disrupt and turn your life upside down for a purpose. To come in and that that sliver, the annoyance is growing and growing and growing and growing bigger until it's becoming an earthquake, like an earthquake. It's seismic. It's like disrupting everything. It's shaking everything. The foundations are crumbling. Pictures are falling off the walls. Our glass chandeliers are breaking. Photographs are falling to the ground. The ground that we once thought was solid is falling out from beneath us. And we feel like we're falling. We're falling. And the king is coming. He's coming. Right? And we're like, when, Lord? When, Lord? We're waiting. We're waiting. What's going to happen? I don't know. Darkness. Darkness. I'm afraid. Doubt. Fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And in the midst of that, the word is the prince, the king of peace, the king of life, one who has defeated death, it's coming. Easter is coming. Easter is coming. The king is coming on a donkey. Do you believe? Worship. Lay your palms down in front of him. Make way. The king is coming. Easter is coming. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for who you are. And thank you. Uh, that you came in victoriously on that day in history, that you suffered, you died, and you rose again to usher in a new reality, a new kingdom, a new victory. And now, even now, you're entering the city once again, you're entering our hearts once again. And you want to be ruler in our lives and you want to bring vision and hope. Purpose into our lives. And I pray that we can receive that, that we can accept that. That we would truly cling to you. We would try, if, if this is the first time, We'll try something new. Because we have been fickle. 
we have been faithless and the things that we have leaned into, the people we have trusted, the institutions we have trusted, they've been fickle and faithless as well. So I pray that we would see you for who you are, the true king of all of Israel and the true king of our lives. In your holy name, Jesus, amen. If you've been joining us uh, on a live stream for the first time, uh, you never even attended Renew Church before, or you're just discovering us, uh, welcome. I invite you to like our Facebook fan page, Renew Linwood, and uh, our website. You can check us out on our website at renewlinwood.church. Also, immediately following this, we're going to have a coffee hour on Zoom. So you can uh, ask on the comments of this live stream and someone can provide the link or we'll try to provide the link ahead of time. Uh, we'll provide the link there in the comments. And, uh, and if anyone has been struggling or has found, uh, been inspired by this message or wants to learn more about Jesus or you're struggling and you need prayer, then I encourage you, we have people who can call you, who can email you, who can text you to pray for you. Just email um, ministry at renewlinwood.church, ministry at renewlinwood.church, and someone will um, contact you, leave your contact info in a way that you want to be contact, contacted, and someone will contact you um, to pray for you, to minister to you. Um, so we really want... Um, to be able to connect, um, even when we can't physically connect. And so there's a lot of ways that we can do that. So don't hesitate. And if you want to learn more about following Jesus, uh, you can uh, write me personally, uh, Dave at RenewLinwood.Church, Dave RenewLinwood.Church, and we can talk about what it means to follow Jesus. Um, or if you've followed Jesus before, but you've kind of been off the track, um, I can totally talk to you and talk about what it means to be renewed and, and come back because he wants you, he wants you back.